All right, guys, with the U.S. elections on their way and people not too happy with the candidates on both sides, there is only one man who can bring things together in the near future, one bright star in the galaxy, one silky smooth voice to fix international relations, one man to see alcohol taxes disappear and provide, of course, submission ready with a private jet to attend more UFC events in the U.S. Forget The Rock, vote Morgan in 2024. John Morgan, we want you. And it's a pleasure to welcome you back to the program ahead of your big campaign to become the president, the leader of the free world. You're already the leader of the MMA world, so why not add another sort of point to that, to that impressive resume of yours? That is a fantastic introduction, as always. Uh, politics, absolutely not, sir. That will not be my bag. But uh, anything that would eliminate alcohol tax, I mean, if that's what it takes. Maybe that's what I got to do. Maybe that's what I got to do. I feel like maybe that's the only thing you need uh, in your arsenal of, uh, you know, political tricks. And you might get voted in. Who who, who wouldn't want uh, alcohol taxes removed, man? Free beer for everybody. If I just promise free beer, I mean, apparently you really don't have to deliver on any of your promises. I've learned that about politics. You just have <laughs> to have promises. You don't actually need to deliver on them. I'm, so I'm surprised no one's run with a, with a free beer ballot before. Mm. Free beer ballot. Yeah. Listen, the world might be bad, but you get a free beer. A man that could ask Fabrizio Vadum about the Colby Covington boomerang incident for a whole week long. Not piss him <laughs> off as a man that I want speaking to China and Russia when things aren't going well. Aren't going well oh, done. good times, good times. On to the MMA world. Uh, we saw a legend possibly retire this past weekend at Anderson Silva. It was billed as his final fight, but then afterwards it seemed like, ah, maybe it wasn't so much his final fight. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of legends uh, where Dana White let them fight on for quite a while. Guys like BJ Pan, Diego Sanchez, Anderson Silva. What did you think of the Anderson you saw in there? Because he definitely had his moments. Were you surprised by how, I don't know, somewhat harsh Dana White was on, on never letting Anderson fight again? Yeah, it's such a weird balance, right? Because I will be honest with you, like as the fight was starting out, I was like, man, you know what? Anderson looks like he's focused in there. He looks like he's dialed in. He looks like he's interested. He's not playing around. I think there were some fights where it just looked like I'm not saying he wasn't trying to win, but I, I don't know. It just didn't seem to have that intensity. And I know that part of that playfulness is part of his game, but I don't know. It just seemed a little bit more focused, and I liked the way he was moving. And, and, I, and I, So there were parts of the fight that I thought, yeah, man, look, Anderson's looking pretty decent tonight. But then I thought the shots that put him down weren't necessarily the biggest shots of all time. And I don't want to take away from Uriah Hall and his power. I mean, certainly he lands clean. I mean, we've seen some some highlight reel finishes in, in his career. But I just didn't feel like the shots that dropped Anderson were some of the best of his career. And then when you really start to think about it, I mean, it is really interesting when you look at Anderson's losing streak in retrospect. Like, you look at the names on there. They're pretty damn good names. It's not like he's out there losing to slouches. But, man, you do look at the at, at the middleweight division and you think about, well, okay, well, who else could Anderson fight? And, man, there's just some absolute monsters in there. I mean, I just felt like this was the best-case scenario for him, you know, a style that he would certainly be familiar with. A guy that, you know, I'm not going to insult him the way that, that, that Dana did, but, you know, the, Uriah Hall doesn't always have the highest output. You know, he's not always, you know, coming out there like an absolute killer, berserker, you know, Justin Gaethje style from the start. So, you know, I did think there were some positives to take out of Anderson Silver's performance, but ultimately at the end of the day – I kind of agree with Dana that I don't necessarily want to see him compete again. And I certainly don't want to see him compete in the UFC at this high level. And I just, man, I, I think think about a generation of, of 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 fans, guys, that have no idea why Anderson Silva is so revered, man. And 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 that guy, unfortunately, is long gone. And I just don't think I want to see him do any more damage to his to his reputation, to the legend that he is. Mm. It was weird though, right? Seeing him walk out there, no crowd. UFC Apex, you're like, you know, he came out first, which you understand because of the rankings and 
it was just a weird way to finish out a career. Like you, you wish it could be in front of like a big Brazilian crowd, you know, a proper farewell. And also, I am still in favor of this Luke Rockhold Anderson Silva fight, and everybody hates me when I say this, but I think it would be a perfect fight for Luke Rockhold to get back in the mix, and also Anderson Silva to have a fun fight. But we don't need to talk about that right now. It's just how I feel. John, let's talk about the fact that. If he is still under contract with the UFC, he can't technically go anywhere else. And Beatsy Carroll with a hilarious tweet about, we all know that Anderson's fighting the winner of Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson in the Legends Only League. So do you believe the UFC get to a point where they even let him out of his contracts? He could pursue other things? Because I remember you mentioned, you know, this is a guy that spent a lot of his money, big entourages, and still needs to make a bit of cheddar to make things better. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think he definitely still wants to compete. You know, it's funny, right? Like ahead of time, you're thinking, am I reading too much into that? Because every time he would say it, he would say, my final UFC fight. And you're like, am I reading between the lines a little bit too much there? And then Michael Bisping goes to clarify with him at post-fight. And he's like, so let, make it clear. We'll, we'll never see you compete again. And Anderson's like, wait a minute. I didn't say that. I just said, you know, no more UFC fights. So I think we'll see him compete again. I, I do. I mean, um, to be honest with you, it, it may be a funny tweet from Pizza Carroll, but I, I actually kind of agree with it. I mean, he's been wanting to fight Roy Jones Jr. forever. If Roy Jones wins or at least looks competitive, um, maybe that's an opportunity to put that boxing match together. And, and you know, Dana and the UFC would have you know some some uh, enforcement ability based on the contract but you know I think if Anderson really wanted to get out of the deal he could you know especially if the UFC is saying look we've got one more fight but we have no intention whatsoever of giving it to you at that point I think you could certainly take them to a court and say the guy is publicly saying he's never going to give me another fight why should they hold that over now I hope it doesn't get ugly you know what I mean I, I know that you know th these two guys haven't always had the, the greatest relationship at times um, but man it's it's been a, it's such a wonderful run in the UFC for Anderson Silva and he is you know as I tweeted before the whole thing started you know I, I was saying I hope we can put this Habib Jones talk on hold for one night and just just think about Anderson was the goat before we were even having goat discussions you know what I mean it was just you just knew that was the guy so Listen, I, I do think we'll see him compete again. I don't think we'll see him compete in the UFC. I don't think we'll see him go to Bellator. I do think that's one. The UFC, if, if that was the plan, I think the UFC probably would step in and say, we're not going to allow you to go to our direct competitor, um, you know, or, or at least the closest thing we have to a direct competitor right now. Um, but, you know, going and doing some boxing, maybe some kickboxing, some grappling, who knows. Um, I think we'll see Anderson compete in some way again. Just quickly, John, before we do talk about uh, Israel Adesanya moving up to fight Jan Blachowicz, got to ask you, what did you make of Dana White's comments about Habib Nurmagomedov and speaking to him privately and getting the sense that he might be coming back for this 30-0? And I know we kind of joked about, you know, MMA retirement is always very fickle and short-lived, but we kind of got the sense that with a guy like Habib, when he says something, he means it. He made the promise to his mother. On the other hand, he... He kind of, you know, had that goal with his father to reach 30 and 0. What do you make of those comments? Do you think that Habib does come back for 30 and 0? And what do you think the circumstance would be, you know, to bring him back and make him break his promise, uh, you know, to his mom? I heard he never really liked his mom that much anyway. No, listen. Well, that would do no, it. Listen, it was, good. Uh, you know, I, 
I don't think it should be surprising to hear. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, man, you're talking about just this this epic record of 30 and 0 and and, and a chance to potentially make history. I mean, it's got to be the right opponent. And, and as much money as Conor McGregor would generate, uh, I don't think that's the one that'll get Habib to to, to reconsider and, and and to maybe you know chase that 30 and 0 that, that him and his father wanted to 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 hit. But um, you know, I think it's good. I think what I liked about what Dana White was saying is like, listen. We're not rushing right now. We're not. We're not in a in a hurry to move this division forward. And I think that's the right play. Habib Nurmagomedov earned that right to say, "Hey, let me kick back for a little bit." You know, I think this is it for me right now. Uh, but give me a little time. And and man, you, you know, the the emotion. As we said, you know. Having been over there a couple times to see him compete, man, the pressure over there on Habib Nurmagomedov in Abu Dhabi is, is is so much higher, even without crowds present, man. Just the expectations based on a on a media basis, based on his time, um, and, and just the overall feel, man. It's it's the, he's revered over there, and I think he feels that. Um, so I, I'm not ready to say that up oh, Habib's obviously coming back. It's clear as day he's coming back. I think it's right that he says, you know, uh, I'm considering it. We've talked about it, and it's a possibility. Um, so we'll just have to see. Time will tell, but I'm glad. I'm glad that at least conversations are happening. I'm glad that at least it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. And uh, looks, I think there's options on the table that, that could be fun. We'll just have to see how it all plays out. Do you think, like, the idea of retiring kind of lets Habib breathe a sigh of relief? I imagine if you always have it hanging over your head that, like, there's always going to be another one, it must be pretty stressful. And I think when you say, like, I'm done, I'm retired, it just it just makes you feel relaxed, almost to the point where, you know, maybe you have a moment of clarity and you're like, I don't know, maybe I maybe I miss this. The UFC released some cool stuff of, like, you, Habib's first ever pre-fight interview you know where they do those black and white ones and um well, actually i don't know if it's black and white but it was like him talking about where he started where he grew up and he talked about training and how close he is with his father but he also spoke about how he doesn't know anything other than training he's like you know if i'm not trained i don't know what to do with my life and i, I thought about that with Habib and you know if he if he does retire what happens to that mentality like if you've if you've done something for 30 years and nothing else other than that what else do you do with you with, with your time do you think maybe part of it could be that for Habib where you know I, I don't ex I don't expect him just putting on like you know a bunch of kgs and just doing other things in life no, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, the guy is, is going to be a martial artist. And he's going to train for the rest of his life, regardless of what's going on. I mean, that's all he knows. And I think if, if there's anything that brings him back, that would be it. You know, um, the money, I from from all understandings, the guy does not need any money whatsoever. He's done very, very, very well in his last couple of fights. Um, he's well taken care of in, in, in that community. Uh, he, he's done well for himself, so he's fine there. Um, and I don't think he cares much about the spotlight. I mean, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's like, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, just people that say, man, I, I kind of miss that attention. I miss the phone ringing. You know, I miss being the center of everything. I don't think that would do it. But, yeah, the idea of competition and, and the idea of, 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 you know, having that, that test for himself, I think that's going to be big. Now, I think he will be involved in his team. You know, I don't know that he'll necessarily take his father's role in terms of being like the patriarch of the entire team. But, I mean, we know how much he's been trying to put over Islam Makachev, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, I, I think he'll find some, you know, he's got some family members that are, that are on the up and up right now. You know what I mean? So I think that he could certainly spend some time trying to assist them and trying to help them. And, and that'll give him some responsibility and, and some, some excitement, but it, it won't be a hundred percent fulfilling. I mean, the big question is, uh, the, the belt's not going to be vacated, but I guess there will be some kind of interim title that, uh, is going to be up for grabs while he's away. So I'm curious, John, who do you think fights for this interim title if there is one put on? And do you think that, because a lot of people are sort of throwing out theories, you know, if Conor McGregor does win that interim title, 
then you know maybe that is what gets Khabib out to to do this fight. You know, everybody starts talking about, well, you know, maybe Conor is the real champ, or maybe Conor wins the belt. And you're shaking your head. What if Conor wins the belt and defends it? And then he's like, all right, well, this guy's the champ. Are there any of those scenarios that you see the dragon back out there? Is it just GSP in your mind? No, I mean, listen, GSP would be great, but I don't know if that's going to happen. That's why I'm having trouble figuring out exactly what it would be. That's that's mm. what I want to see what the UFC comes to the table with. Because, look, I told you, is there going to be a title, an interim title? I don't know. I mean, it does seem very, very easy to say, look, January 23rd, we got this fight between McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Let's put a belt on the line, whether it's the undisputed title, whether it's an interim title. And there's still a lot of time between now and then, right? It's not like you got to make that decision right away. I mean, you could make that decision January 6th. I mean, hell, you could make it January 22nd if you wanted to. But if you wanted to market it a little bit, you know, you could do it, you know, early January and it'd still have plenty of time to market the fact that it's a title fight. And that would be kind of, I just think, the simplest solution for everybody involved is to make that for a title. So that would not shock me if that ends up being for a title. But in terms of what excites Habib? I just don't know that Conor McGregor is what does it for him. I mean, I, I you know, we, we've heard the words. I mean, you guys got to win 10 fights in a row. Guys got to do this. I, I just, to be honest with you, man, I, I don't think the, the, the hassle that comes along with fighting Conor McGregor is, is something that he wants to deal with. Um, I could be wrong. That would be honestly the biggest surprise to me. I mean, nothing surprises me in terms of fighters coming back, fighters wanting to test themselves, those sort of things. But him coming back for a Conor McGregor fight, maybe it's just me. But that would surprise me a little bit. I, I, I would take that as a big one. Now, it would mean a lot of money. I mean, maybe maybe people get in his ear and say, hey, man, you're trying to change the lives of kids in Dagestan. You know, just think of what this extra $50 million we're going to put in your pocket. Just think of what you could give back to the community of Dagestan. And I could maybe see him saying, all right, I don't want to deal with this damn guy again. But when you put it that way, we can do a lot for the community. I could see him maybe taking that route. But I just don't think, you know, the the, the, the promotional hype and all the back and forth and the you know, the ugliness on social media and everything else. I, I just don't see that being what motivates Habib um, to come back for one more. Because mm, if you look at the other options there, you got Michael Chandler. And I just don't think Michael Chandler would get to a point where he would interest Khabib. And then you've got uh, Dustin Poirier. And even as a fan, like, I don't think people are even that keen on seeing that rematch. I think people are pretty sure that it's going to go a similar way. So the only other guy to me is Tony Ferguson. Do you think if Tony Ferguson is able to win a couple of big fights, maybe grab another interim title, um, maybe that's what can get him out to actually get that fight done. That's one that I kind of suggested. We did it. We did a little roundtable on it at MMA Junkie this week, and, and that's the one that I brought to the table. It may seem weird considering we're talking about the guy just coming off a loss, but when you consider that I know Habib has a lot of respect for Tony Ferguson, um, of course, obviously, they were, they were linked up so many times, and I know they've had this kind of rivalry or whatever, but I think Habib really does appreciate what Tony Ferguson did to get there. You know, it might not be his favorite human being on earth, but he always respects a top-level competitor, and, you know, things didn't go his way, but, man, that was such a tough run for Ferguson to get where he did and then to, to have to deal with, um, you know, the situations and the rescheduling. I mean, this was – man, you think about the beginning of the pandemic and the way things – I mean, now we're all used to this pandemic era MMA. We're like, oh, well, that's just the way business is done. But at the time, it wasn't. There was uncertainty. There was all these things going on. So, um, I mean, GSP, clearly that's the one. I don't know if that's going to happen. We, we know how the UFC feels about GSP kind of coming in and, and, uh, and taking belts and going home. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, you know I, we'll see how that plays out. I think that, that, to me, honestly, would be the dream scenario. And to me, the dream scenario would be GSP at 155 because then you got GSP um, potentially you know, going for his third weight class title as well, which would be history on both sides of the ball rather than just one. Um, you know, whether or not he wants to do that, whether or not he wants to put his body through that, we'll see. Um, 
if there maybe there's some wild card we're not thinking of. I'm I'm not sure. I hope it's not Floyd Mayweather. You know what I mean? Good Who knows? It could be something. Oh, my God. Uh, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I think the key right now is we don't have to rush anything. You know, let's let us uh, let us let Habib, you know, kind of enjoy what he accomplished, and, and then we'll kind of see how things shake out. The good thing is, you know, it's not like we're talking about Habib Nurmagomedov as like an old man. You know, it's not mm-hmm. as like we're saying, man, this dude – it's it's you know it's incredible that he even made it into the last fight. Like he's in his athletic prime, so you know I, I think he is the kind of guy that could take a year or two off. You know, hell, you know, three four years off, a la GSP. He's the kind of guy that could do that because, as we said, we know he's going to be in the gym. He's not going to be out partying. It's not going to be like, man, we just can't get Habib out the club these days, or we'd put a fight back together. <laughs> but he's just out dancing till four a.m. every night. You know what I mean? That's not him. So the good thing is, I, I think. We don't have to rush this. We can take our time on it. And we can see, hey, is there something that does make sense? Is there something that's exciting? Yeah, and I think if you're Habib, you have all the leverage in the world. Uh, if, if, if you're at home chilling and enjoying retirement and they're like, hey, come fight Connor, is just like send straight to voicemail. And then if they come with GSP, then you're like, oh, all right, maybe maybe I'll get that out there. But there's no pressure on him to ever return if he doesn't like the offer that's offered to him. Uh, and, and I hope he comes back. I think him at GSP at 170 would be awesome. I think it's it's that much more, more impressive. But I want to talk about, obviously, Israel Adesanya moving up to face Jan Blahovic at 205. Something that a lot of people were kind of speculating as like, hey, this could be a possibility. The man confirmed it to us just a couple of days ago. What do you make of this decision you know there was obviously Robert Whitaker there as an option I think understandably he was like look I've already done that doesn't doesn't get my dick hard as he said but then apparently Jan does get his dick hard does it get your dick hard John well sir I mean that's kind of a private matter there but no, uh, no you know what man I to be honest with you I like it I mean I kind of saw the writing on the wall when you're back in Fight Island right I mean and I understand you know uh all the talk about Izzy's dick and all that it's very important but more mm. importantly it's it's about Robert Whitaker's calendar you know what I mean I think that was a big part of it too and um I I, I just I figured when we were in Fight Island and Robert Whitaker was saying hey listen no, you know, and he said it pre-fight, and he said it again post-fight. He's like, "Listen, I'm not going to be talked out of this. You know, I have a kid on the way. I always miss the holidays with my family. You guys know what a family man he is." And, and he's saying, "I'm not going to do it this time around. I'm 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 on the shelf, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll come back in the, in the early part of, of 2021." And I think as soon as that happened, to me anyway, I started thinking, "Uh oh, I bet this 205 things about about to take place." And uh, you know, you heard Dana White kind of mention. I didn't necessarily love Dana White saying, "Well, Robert Whitaker just doesn't want the fight." Like, that's ah, mm. not exactly what he said, but but okay. Uh, also, when you know that the right way now. Rob rolls, and he does, he's not going to campaign for anything. You got to give him leeway as well. Oh, bro, his his, his pre-fight but- was great, man. Over and over, he just kept saying. Mate, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. Like I t- he's like, well, I mean, I do care, but mate, I don't care. It but was it's, amazing. It's, you know? it's interesting as well, though, with Rob, because it, it, things do get misconstrued. Like, you know, he spoke, he had that great interview with Mike Bond where he's like, well, actually, I am ready to fight in April and March. And if only, and that's the thing with Robert Whitaker. I love the guy. I love speaking to him. But that he has had moments in his career where he could have had bigger fights or things pushed together, but he doesn't really call it out. And if only at that press conference, he said, look, I don't care when this fight happens, but I am ready for April, March. And this, I just want to have a Christmas. Maybe think, you know, because we know with Dana White, he always misunderstands things with Robert Whitaker. We had a conversation with him in New York where he misunderstands There's an stuff. accent so barrier, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's the language barrier between the two, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so difficult. No, you know, um, but you know what, man? I respect the hell to Robert Whitaker for saying that, man. I, I really honestly do. Robert Whitaker has been to the top of the mountain. You know, he, he understands what's there, um, but he also understands what makes him happy, man. And I, I think sometimes people forget that. I mean, you know, these these are not video game characters that we get to just match up and put into fantasy cards as we want, man. These are human beings that are in an incredibly stressful job, mm-hmm. and, and and to think about what it takes them to keep their mental health and their and their, and their family happiness, man. Um, I I applaud the hell out of them for doing it. You know, I mean, I really really do. So um, I, I I I I'm happy that Robert Whitaker is sticking to his guns. And let me be honest with you, man. I like this idea of, of Izzy moving up to 205 and taking on Jan Blahovich because I'll tell you what, right now, and I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I know that that we've got a big 205 pound fight this weekend, and the winner of that has a real claim at at number one contender status. But I'm sorry. Maheta or Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blahovich as a pay-per-view headliner just doesn't do it for me, man. I, I just don't see that being a big one, especially when you consider the layoffs and everything else that's, that's been involved. So, I mean, it, what's wrong in the meantime with, with, with giving Adesanya this opportunity, you know, keeping this ball rolling with this fast-emerging superstar, you know, this guy that's becoming one of the pound-for-pound best on the planet, one of the biggest superstars on the planet, letting him challenge himself at 205 pounds um, because – the clear number one contender at 185 right now is Robert Whitaker, and he's not ready to go. There isn't, to me, a clear 205-pound contender that can't wait for a little one. There's not one that I'm going, it has to be right now. Uh, and, and so let those two champions come together. And then, of course, let's not be silly. We know what's on the other side of that. Izzy beats Jan. John Jones is going to come calling at 205 pounds. I do believe that. I know that John Jones has his sights set on, on heavyweight right now. But, man, Adesanya has gotten under his skin, man. You, the, the, the beef that's going on between those two, man, that is not manufactured hype. That, to me, is two people that have gotten very, very personal with each other and I think very much want to smack each other upside the head. So if, if, if Izzy can move up to 205 and take that belt and, and hold that thing up and say, John Jones, you mm-hmm. know, you want this bad boy back? Why don't you come get it from me? You know, come see me. Um, especially when, again, like, look, look, we just delayed Stipe and Naganu, right? So now we're talking about what March before that happens. You think John Jones wants to sit around that long? Especially if Izzy can get the belt before then. So to me, listen, I, I can I can understand why some people say, hey, that's not the right fight at 185. It's not the right fight at 205. But I I, I would argue that it is the right fight for both divisions right now, and I would truly argue that it opens up the real possibility for Izzy and John sometime in 2021. And I'm telling you right now, if that doesn't get you excited, you might need to go find another sport to watch because you you obviously do not like MMA very much. Listen to the excitement. So that's a yes for John Morgan. Uh, Fight does get your dick hard, correct? That's correct. Okay, good, good. All right, well, speaking <laughs> speaking of getting a dick hard, uh, as a wise man once said, don't forget about the balls. You never forget about the balls. Manscaped hasn't forgotten about your balls, which is why they're trying to help you make them silky smooth and improve everybody's lives around you. Uh, Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Took them 18 months just to craft this magnificent tool, and we're giving you a sexy code with 20% off. Use the code SUBMISSION and... Uh, Make it make your ball silky smooth. That's right, Cass. I mean, the LED light, which uh, illuminates in the grooming areas, will give you the ability to have some precise trimming. So why not shave in some Tito Ortiz flames? How about mm. some speed stripes? The possibilities are endless. Check out the Lawnmower 3.0 uh, trimmer, of course. Check out the Perfect Package 3.0, which combines all these great Manscaped products all together. That is manscaped.com. Uh, code word submission. 
and get 20% off and free shipping. By the way, if you're the kind of person who surfs uh, the web on websites where you're currently deleting your browser history and uh, shaking nervously at what might happen and what might be stolen from your computer, Get a VPN, get pure VPN, browse the web safely. You can download whatever you want. You can stream seven different Netflix regions. If there's something on your Netflix that you don't have and you want it and it's in another region, you can do that with pure VPN, Disney Plus. You can do Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer UK, ITV, and many, many others. Uh, fast, reliable VPN services, over 2,000 servers at across 140 countries. And we're giving you the code submission and you get an extra 10% discount on already discounted plans because the Halloween special has a 62% discount already. Crazy, right, Dennis? That's right, man. The Halloween special is still going, so go to purevpn.com forward slash submission. Get that extra 10% off. Save your relationship. Stop the FBI from throwing you into prison. This is the cheapest life hack that I've ever seen. Pure VPN, one of the best to do it. Don't miss out on all your favorite shows, all your favorite content. Do it now. Now, John, we're speaking about Israel Adesanya and uh, moving up to this John Jones fight. And I got to ask you, because he was on the show just a couple of days ago. He brought up this scenario that Andrew Schultz sort of brought to his mind and planted the seed in his brain about how John Jones moves up to heavyweight. He becomes a champion at heavyweight. Then Israel goes up to heavyweight, goes for that third belt, becoming the first guy to have those three belts all together. I mean, it, it's, it would be a pretty unbelievable sequence. Do you think there's any chance we see that happen? Or most likely, will this fight go down at 205? I mean, listen, that's a that's a, a great way to get there at some point. Um, but that seems like a lot more variables. You know what I mean? And sometimes you start throwing in too many variables and all of a sudden you cost yourself a big fight that would have been big regardless. I mean, uh, that would be pretty damn incredible uh, for for Izzy to, to have that opportunity and, and to have that matchup. But to me, I think that matchup is, is just as intriguing at 205 pounds. Um, and you don't have quite so many wrenches that could get thrown into the plan. So uh, certainly would love to see it. Certainly would be incredible. But, you know, the other thing, too, is I, I, in some ways, I think for Israel, you know, what would be even more impressive, and, and this might just be me, is to go up and get the heavyweight belt. If that's where his true intentions lie, and he, and he really does, and obviously we've all heard him mention it before, but, I mean, what if you took it off a well-established heavyweight? Now, I'm not to say, look, if John Jones goes up and, and w wins one fight, whether it be Stipe, whether it be Nagano, whether it be somebody else, and the heavyweight belt is wrapped around his waist, then yes, he is a legitimate heavyweight champion. However, can you imagine? I mean, I think it's a, you know to 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 beat Stipe, to beat Nagano, to beat especially those two. I think those are the two biggest names right now that would mean something. Um, I I think that would be even more impressive to me to kind of get that well-established, you know, lengthy, tenured heavyweight um, versus beating John Jones at at, at heavyweight. I'd, I'd prefer to see him beat John Jones at light heavyweight. I mean, that to me would be even more special. Can you imagine? I clean out the middleweight division. You know, not only do I go up and win the belt from Jan, because, and, and I hate saying this because I, I just, Jan is such a nice guy, but it, it clearly, um, you know, timing has worked out in his favor right now. You know, maybe he would have beat John Jones. I'm not sure, but, uh, but he didn't. So, you know, to, if he were to be able to beat, say, John Jones, the greatest light heavyweight of all time at light heavyweight, and then Stipe Miocic, the greatest heavyweight of all time at heavyweight, Good God. Now you're talking about now 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 you're like Habib who George who <laughs> Anderson who never even heard of him before I was always rolling with this guy can you imagine if you did that so to me yeah that would be cool um, but but I I think waiting for you know when you're asking two guys to do something um, you know one of them can mess up along the way and I think that's a little harder goal to get to.
And it's interesting as well, because we were sort of talking to him about, well, how would you manage it, you know, the weight? And he mentioned, hey, look, you know, I'll stick around my middleweight frame. I might get stronger, but I'm not going to be like John Jones. I'm not going to be packing on the pants. I'm not going to be trying to sort of get extra muscle on. And you think about his schedule and how frequently he fights. And technically, if this guy was a three-division champion, it's still likely that he could get three fights done in one year and defend each title once, which is more, which is more, John, than one of these, some of these one-division champions that are away, for, are away for over a year and don't come back. I mean, that's a pretty likely scenario if you think about it. I mean, listen, it is crazy to think about the how fast he has risen up the ranks. I mean, you know, all this conversation about is John the greatest, is Habib the greatest, is George the greatest, you know, all those things. I mean, the things that he is talking about accomplishing right now, um, and he does seem very much on his way to, to trying to fulfill them. If he can maintain that, that busyness of schedule and, and do these things – Man, he enters that conversation very, very, very fast. So, um, man, I, I I love what he's doing. And and I love the fact, honestly, I, to me, I, look, it's scary to go up and face those big, big dudes with all that power, man. But, um, you know, putting putting extra muscle on your body doesn't mean necessarily that your chin's going to be any better at heavyweight. And I think what he would bring to the table is that speed, that elusiveness, you know, that that different style of movement and different speed than, than, than those, you know, big heavyweights and even light heavyweights to a degree are, are used to. So, um, man, I'm telling you right now, it's I mean, what we're talking about is crazy. Like, honestly, if you think about what we're really talking about is insane. Mm. Um, but if there's ever been a human being that you looked at and go, holy shit, this guy might actually be able to do it. It's Israel, man. What he's done so far has been nothing short of incredible. And, and between his skills, his mind, um, man, I'm certainly not counting him out. Yeah, well, three three belts, hypothetically, amongst the three divisions with the biggest weight discrepancy would be crazy. <laughs> and also what's crazy is he was such an underdog throughout his entire career, Israel Adesanya, especially in that Paulo Costa fight where people are like, oh, man, Paulo's the guy to beat him. And the fight where he's finally favored is the one where he moves up a division after so many people saying, oh, he's just too small or weak or, you know, not enough power or whatever. So I, th I think that speaks to his uh, his accomplishments in the UFC thus far. I'm curious, though, uh, for Jan, if he's able to do... Oh, by the way, also, what about John Jones coming back down to 205 to, to challenge him for the belt, the belt that he, you know, never lost, chasing Israel for the 205 belt? Who would have predicted that scenario? Everyone always thought, well, if... If he moves up, if Israel moves up, it'll be for John Jones's belt. But John Jones coming down for Israel's belt—that's another crazy scenario. But let's let's not discount Polish power. If Jan is able to do it, what do you think is sort of more impressive for Jan to beat a guy like Israel who's never been beaten, right? No blemishes on his career, or to beat a guy like John Jones, which that fight may never happen. Jan and Jones, but a John Jones who many people felt like was, you know. A lot more competitive, shall we say, in his, in his end of his run at 205. I mean, I hate to say it, but to me, it would be more impressive to beat John Jones, even though, um, yeah, like you said, he is kind of at the end of his run. He's not blowing people out of the water like he once was. You know, he doesn't look like this untouchable force like he once was. And I only say that because it's just so easy to write off. If Israel moves up and gets clipped for whatever reason, as you said, I mean, the legendary Polish power, um, you know, it, it, it's real. You know what I mean? He does He does have knockout ability. Not that Israel hasn't faced guys with that type of power before, especially in his, you know, kickboxing days. Um, but but that power is very real. But the thing is, if he gets clipped and, 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 and Adesanya gets knocked out for some reason or just, you know, TKL, it doesn't even have to be ugly, immediately the doubters go, well, of course, man, the guy's in middleweight. He moved up 20 pounds. I mean, good on him for trying. And, and I think immediately 
unfortunately, the way it works, people would take away from Jan's accomplishments at that point. You know what I mean? I think they would they would go, well, come on, man. You, you beat a blown-up middleweight mm. who had no business being at 205 pounds anyway. Whereas if, for whatever reason, you know, the heavyweight thing – and that's what sucks because the heavyweight thing doesn't work out and John comes back down to 205, I think they'll take away from Jan as well. But if for some reason John were to, to not make this heavyweight move, um, I know that he's been close to losing, but he hasn't lost, especially if Jan were to somehow be able to put Jones' lights out. Uh, man, like I said, if you could say, hey, I guarantee you either a first-round knockout of Israel or a first-round knockout of John, which one's more impressive? I still think it'd be the first round knockout of John because I just think people would write off Israel as saying he had no business being at 205. Mm. But Jan in a pretty in a pretty honey hole situation right now. Rather than have to rematch Tiago Santos potentially and go through that fire fight, you know, you're looking at a couple of big money fights in, in, in the near future, which is pretty sweet for him um, at this point in his career. Let's just quickly talk about the prediction for this weekend, John, because you mentioned it. There's a big fight in the light heavyweight division, Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. This thing has been moving around. It's finally here. What is your prediction for it? Who do you believe is going to win it? Do you believe we see the same dangerous Tiago Santos we did with John Jones over a year and a half ago? See, that's the thing that scares me is I would say probably, yeah. But, I mean, we're talking about some severe surgeries that this guy went through, right? I mean, so how is he affected by that? Uh, I'm always curious about that when you see somebody come back. I mean, it, it, because to me it's kind of one of those things once you see it, you go, yeah, Come on, man. I knew he would never be the same again. Or he comes back. He goes, yeah, of course, man. He had the best doctors in the world taking care of him. We knew he'd be fine. He'd be back 100%. So to me, that's really where the question marks lie. Um, both guys are incredibly dangerous. Both guys have knockout power. Uh, Glover, you know, always has had the tricky submission game to go along with it as well. But, you know, he's up there a little bit, right? I mean, he's on the tail end of his career, and this is kind of his last shot. Uh, but... I, it seems like we keep counting that old man out over and over <laughs> and over, and he keeps winning, man. So, um, listen, I think my t my pick here is, is definitely Tiago, um, but I'm not looking at this as some kind of, oh, man, I don't even know why they're making this fight. Glover has a real chance. He, you know, he has a real chance to do this, and the question marks all, to me, center around Tiago. Do the knees hold up? Is he gunshot? And I'm telling you right now, man, I don't, maybe it's considered bad sportsmanship, but if I'm Glover, I'm kicking the knees as soon as we get out there. First thing, man, I'm just straight kick mm -hmm. the knees. Uh, you know, just if not necessarily with the intent to injure, but just to get into the head a little bit, to, to make, see if I can make my head a little bit gunshot. Like, oh, remember all you had to go through and all this? Oh, there's another one to your knee. There's another one to your knee. And just give him something to think about a little bit. So that's what's going to be interesting to me. The timing early on. Where will Mahetta's timing be after all this time away, not having full speed? Where will his timing be early on? And where is his mindset? Where is his comfort level in, in, in those knees? Because that's the thing you hear about so many times when, when you have lengthy layoffs from injuries and these severe injuries like this. You talk to guys and it's like, no, 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 I felt fine. But it was getting my mind to understand that I was going to feel fine because you end up being a little gun shy and worried that those old injuries are going to resurface. So to me, that's where it gets really, really intriguing. That's what I'm going to be watching early on. Mm. A lot on the line this weekend. Don't forget to mail in your vote for Morgan 2024. Follow the man <laughs> at MMA Junkie John. And of course, MMA Junkie, a place to go to for all the latest information, MMA, MMA Road Show as well. John, we appreciate you jumping on. It's time for you to hit the road. I think uh, some campaigning in Australia won't uh, do any harm. There's a few pubs here waiting for you. About to go enjoy a little quiet stroke technology, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs>